Uh, it's really my goal this morning is that you would have a bigger view, a bigger picture of God as we just sang about than maybe you did when you came in or that you'd be resolved to have a bigger picture of God by the end of the week by really spending time with the passage we will look at today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open them with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. So when, you, when I talk about a picture of Jesus, what comes to your mind? For, for some of you, what might come to your mind is baby Jesus. And, you know, maybe this is, Christmas is your favorite holiday, and when you think of Jesus, you think of baby Jesus. That's good. I mean, it is good to think of Jesus as baby Jesus, because it's really important that he actually showed up and joined us in the mess and just was one of us, walked with us. But if you only think of Jesus as baby Jesus, that Jesus is not very authoritative or demanding. That Jesus is not going to grab you by the throat and tell you to listen. When you think of Jesus, what do you think of when you think of Jesus? Some of you might think of nice Jesus. And let me tell you, it is really important that Jesus made time for children and that when the disciples are like, look, Jesus is really busy. Jesus does not have time for little people like you with no status. Jesus told them to get out of the way and let the little children come to me. That is really important that Jesus didn't care about human status, that there's room at the table for people like you and me, that our status depends on him, not, not us. Really important, but if you only think of Jesus as nice Jesus, then I don't know if you have a reason to obey him or respect him. When you think of Jesus, what do you think of as, who do you think of? This is a really important question. Maybe you think of just dead Jesus. Super important that Jesus died for our sins. Super important. But if, he's, if you only think of him as dead, then I don't know how he's still relevant to you. Because dead people kind of lose their relevance over time. I remember when Ariel Sharon died, who was a prime minister of Israel at the time. And um, there was a lot of talk about this man is irreplaceable. And this man is so important. And this man did not have time to die. This man, the world can't handle this man dying. Like, we, like, what are we going to do? And one of the news commentators said, the cemeteries are full of irreplaceable men. And that was the first time that really came home to me. You know, like, maybe that came home to you a long time before that. But for me, that was like, yes, the cemeteries are full of men that are irreplaceable, that don't have time, that are too busy and too important. If you only think of Jesus as dead, I don't know how he maintains his relevance. So when you think of Jesus, what do you think of? I'd like to talk to you about that question today from Revelation chapter 1. Before we do that, I'd like to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would make our picture of you bigger from this text this morning. Do that because you're standing in front of me while I'm in front of them, because you're talking over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. We're doing this series in Revelation uh, in part because Revelation is about helping churches persevere. And what we'll see as we work through the seven churches is that one of the ways the Lord helps the churches persevere is through promises. Like, if you conquer, I will give you. Another way Jesus helps the churches persevere is through threats. If you don't regain your first love, I will come and I will remove your candlestick. Okay, so there is the carrot and there is the stick in Revelation. But before there is any of that, this is really important. Before there is any of that, are you listening? Before there are carrots and sticks, before there are promises and threats, there is a bigger vision of Jesus. Like, here's where you need to start. You need to start with a bigger vision, a better vision of Jesus, a more complete vision of Jesus. Then we can talk about the rest of it, but let's start with the person of Jesus. That's where we're going to start today. So look, I'm going to read the white words. You read the yellow words with me, okay? So then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw the seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. And his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Wow. There's a vision of Christ for you. How do you pick out just one thing about that text or one truth about Christ from that text to hang on to? I don't want to pick one. I want you to just like go in deep with the whole thing. But if I have to pick one to pick up, put up on the board, I think I'll pick this one. I think this is the best I can do to summarize it from the words of the text. That Jesus is the living one. He is the living one. 
He is beyond description. I mean, you read the likes because words fall short. I saw one like the Son of Man. He had a long robe and he had a golden sash around his head. The hairs of his head were white, like wool, well, well, like white snow, you know, like it is just beyond description. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His voice was like the sound of many waters. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnish. And he held in his right hand the seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sword. It's swift or it's sharp. You could translate it either way. Double-edged. And his face shone like the sun and all. Like he's beyond description. He is the living one. And it says that, he says, you know, after John sees the Christ that is beyond description, he falls down as though dead. And Christ, did you see that? Puts his right hand on him and says, you remember? Fear not. Like, then why did you show up like that? I mean, I'm, I'm just a man, but it's like jumping out of the closet and scaring the death out of me and then saying, but don't be afraid. <laughs> but I think it's like, if, when you see me in my glory, and I tell you, you don't have to be afraid. What is there to fear? He's, so he says, fear not. I am the first and the last, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. You know, I am the first and the last. That will come back. The, the book will end like that. If you, if you went ahead, um, or later on in the book, in chapter 22, verse 13, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Like, at the beginning... He was, and he spoke all of it into existence. And at the end, there he will be, and there will be new creation, but he will be there in charge all the time, the whole time. And the application to us, both in chapter 22, verse 13, is that's where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's where that is. And before it and after it, it's like, better keep my word. Better obey. So, if we could see him as he is, like as this text says, I think we would want to hear. If we understand that he is the living one, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, I think we want to obey because he's the one that's going to hold us to account. And if we could understand this, I think we would be less afraid of other stuff. So did you see what he says about himself? Imagine death and Hades loitering about like mobsters with unchecked power. And Jesus, the resurrected I am, shows up and dangles some keys in front of them. Says, I'm in charge now, boys. And they're like, well, what makes you think you're in charge? And he says, because I 
died. And I am alive forevermore. I am the living one. And I have the keys of death and Hades. And so they submit. Because what else can they do? Because he is the ruler of the kings of the earth, including death itself. He is the living one. So, so what should we do? It seems like such a silly question. We should just sit and worship. That's the main thing we should do. But there is things we need to do here. Like, so, so part of my goal this morning is to kind of launch into our next series. And our next series is going to be on the seven churches. So we're going to finish up with verse 20 in Revelation. And then, of course, not next week, but the week after that, we'll start in, in chapter 2, verse 1 on the seven churches. So I want to prepare you for that from this passage because I think this passage flows in the next one. This is the vision of Christ that the churches need to go back to again and again. This is what the vision of Christ that you and I need to go back to again and again. So the best thing we can have is a bigger vision of Jesus. Now, how do we get the bigger vision of Jesus? Well, let's, let's talk about that from chapter 1, verse 3. Let's kind of like see the big picture of where Jesus is going with all of this. So in chapter 1, verse 3, after 1 and 2, it talks about the relationship of how we got this information. We read, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who, okay, I'm going to read the white words, you read the yellow word again, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So, like, just because you have this vision of Jesus doesn't mean you'll automatically listen, which is amazing. But, I mean, we are not people that listen by default because we tell ourselves we're busy or because we tell ourselves we're bored or because we tell ourselves we have a bunch of things to do. And Jesus is like, you need to hear. So, so watch how this kind of comes back again and again. So I'll read the white words, you read the yellow word. Um, Revelation chapter 2, verse, to the first church of Ephesus. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then in Smyrna, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Pergamum, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thyatira, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Sardis, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Philadelphia, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches and the seventh church. He who has an ear, let him Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you catching a theme? He wants us to hear. So look, it, it might be that you're like, look, I am so busy. I am so busy. I have a bunch of things to do, and I, I just don't have time to, to hear. Or if you are really, really honest, you might say, it's all just kind of boring. I don't know what you would say. Like, what would you say if, if someone asked you, why won't you hear? You just say, I'm just... What would you answer? Like, why, why don't you hear? Because Jesus thought this was a really good chance that these churches wouldn't hear. I mean, this is why he repeats it seven times. Because he really wants them to hear and he knows they might not. 
See, what you might need to hear is not more guilt for not hearing. What you might need is a bigger vision of God. What you might need is to realize that your vision of Christ is too small. And that a bigger vision of God is where you should start because that's where Christ starts with the seven churches is his revelation to John as one like the seven, like the son of man who's standing among them. I mean, here he is in the midst of the lampstands. The churches are the lampstands. I am in your midst. I am holding you in my hand. I know where you're going through. I know where you are. I'm here with you. Like, have a bigger vision of God, and maybe you will want to hear. And hearing is what will keep you connected to Christ and keep you vibrant and alive in your faith. Have a bigger vision. Meet him in this text. And if you'll hear, you'll be more ready to keep. So again, I'll read the white words, you read the yellow word. Back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, the instructions for the book. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now, keeping the word is how you conquer. So Jesus gives them this vision of himself, the resurrected Christ, and then tells them to keep his word. And if they keep his word, that, again, like I say, is how they conquer. So look at what he says to the churches about conquering. So, again, I'll read the white words, you read the yellow word. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To each church, there is given a promise. Like I say, there is often, there is a warning, like if you don't do this, bad things will happen. If you do conquer, then you get this promise. This is the promise in the first one. To eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. But what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to conquer. How do you conquer? Well, in Ephesus, by keeping your first love. Regaining your first love. You conquer by keeping the word of Christ. Okay, so let's go through these. To Smyrna, to the one who conquers, will not be hurt by the second death. There's the promise. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I want some of that. Not sure how it works yet, but we'll get there when we get there. 26, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end. Con keeping his word is how you conquer. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. The one who conquers will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Do you see the promise? Get to sit next to him on his throne. Like, C.S. Lewis calls that an unblushing promise. Like, whoa. You see this vision of the living one, and Jesus says, you need to hear, and you need to keep. Keep my word. Keep my word. Even though that's not your default. I mean, listen, as, a, as people diligence at keeping his word is not our default. I would say, you know, like maybe distracted is our default. Maybe drifting is our default. Defeat could be our default. What keeps you from keeping the word? 
Like if, I, if, if you and I were just sitting across from each other and you're like, man, I'm drifting again. You know, or man, I'm, I'm distracted again. Or man, I'm so defeated again. What keeps you defeated and drifting and distracted? Maybe what you need is not more guilt for being defeated or distracted or drifting. Maybe what you need is a bigger vision of Christ. Maybe you need to digest this text and see him in all his glory. And that other stuff will kind of lose its luster. So, Jesus is the living one. So hear him, keep his word, and then, you remember what he told John? He said, as you... As John falls down as though dead after seeing this vision of Christ, he puts his right hand on him and says, but he laid his right hand on me saying, remember, fear not. Fear not. Here's, here's why you don't have to fear. I mean, he tells us in Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Why do you not have to fear? Because you've surrendered to him as Lord. Because he is the ruler of kings on earth. Why do you not have to fear? Because he is the firstborn of the dead. Why do you not have to fear? Because he is the faithful witness who tells the truth. Why do you not have to fear? Well, you don't have to fear if you've surrendered to him as Lord and received him as Savior. To him, going on in verse 5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Why do you not have to fear? Because you've surrendered to him as Lord and you've received him as Savior because he's washed your sins away by his blood. But look, full disclosure, it'd be pastoral malpractice for me to not tell you that if you haven't surrendered to him as Lord, if you haven't received him as Savior, then you should fear. This is verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. On account of him. Even so, amen. If you haven't surrendered to him as Lord, if you haven't received him as Savior, you do have good reason to fear. But I don't know if this is, I mean, I, I just don't know if people fear God. Like, I don't know if we fear God all that much. I think what we fear is, I think we fear missing out. I think we fear being left out. 
I think we fear boredom. I think we fear not having enough. I think we fear pain. I think we fear death. I think we fear what's going on in the news cycles. Like, I, I, think, I think we fear everything but God sometimes. Now, what's the answer to that? The answer to that might not be feel bad about being afraid of being left out. The answer to that might be have a bigger vision of Christ. Get to know this Jesus. And when you have this vision of Jesus, you'll lose your fear of the other stuff. This is what Jesus said to the church in Smyrna. So the church in Smyrna is suffering. I mean, they're being beat to snot, if I can just say it how I would say it if you and I were sitting in a living room together. Verse 10, Jesus says to them, and by, you know, I mean, they're, they're, well, I don't want to preach this sermon before we get there, because we'll get there when we get there. But verse 10 says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. I mean, it's not like don't, it's not going to be that bad. It's going to be bad. You're going to suffer. But he says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. I mean, he is. Like, prisons, prisons are never good places to be. Prisons then were like holes in the ground that they put stuff on top of. Like, really, 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 really bad. That you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Not you might have tribulation, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, he's saying, you don't have to fear that because I am and I will reward you. Have a bigger vision of me and you won't have to be afraid of that. So here's what we've said. Our call from this passage is to have a bigger vision of Christ a better vision of Christ, a more complete vision of Christ. So would you, would you memorize this passage this week? Would it be worth it to you to have a bigger vision of Christ, to, to memorize this passage, to, to grind it out, turn your phone off, and figure out how to memorize this passage? Would that be worth it to you? Maybe a way to memorize this passage would be to write this passage out by hand, kind of organizing it. I turned and saw, and then space. One like the Son of Man, space. The hairs of his head, space. And like kind of give yourself a vision for how this is, and by, by memorizing it, you'll be acting, interacting with the text, and by interacting with the text, you'll get to know the one the text is about. Would you do that? Would it be worth it to you to memorize this text? Because having a bigger, better, more accurate vision of Christ will lead you to hear Christ. That will lead you to keep his word. And by keeping his word, you will conquer. 
And you won't have to fear it. Look, if you don't have to fear him, you don't have to fear anything. Have a bigger vision of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know what each of us need in this text. And Lord, I pray that you would bring it home to each of us um, that we would have a bigger vision of you because we've been in this text. Lord, I pray that you bless us and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen.